Well, we're seeing all-time highs once again in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ as earnings season ramps up and bottom-up stories will play a more dominant factor in price discovery. We're just seeing Netflix coming out with earnings, huge subscriber numbers coming through this. The market seems to like that story. The stock's up hard in the after hours. We're seeing Chinese equity markets after being very much in the doldrums, having a bit of a turnaround on some sizable uh, stimulus stories playing through. And we look at trades around gold, the US dollar, and also crypto. This is the trade-off. Hi there, my name is Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone, and I'm going to join Blake Morrow in two seconds. Mr. Blake, we're actually just going to bring you straight into the programme. Uh, we're obviously going to be discussing everything that's going on in this crazy world of markets. So we'll say that politics is probably going to say a bit of a more dominant factor. We've got New Hampshire about to kick off and the polls will close fairly soon. Um, I guess that's going to be quite a dominant story. We can we can touch on that in, in the programme. So listen, let's not sort of let the cat out of the bag. But how's, uh, how's trading going for you? Uh, trading's going great. You know, it's been a little quiet to kick off the week, but I'm expecting volatility to pick up as this week goes on. We have a few central banks, uh, you know, on deck, and I think that the uh, the market's poised to give us some volatility. It's been a little sleepy, you know, uh, and it's been a tough, tough road if you've been trying to short the dollar. The dollar's just been kind of grinding higher, but, you know, stocks are higher, the dollar is higher. And uh, it's it's kind of an interesting market. I think I think we've got a lot of setups coming your way today. Brilliant. Okay, let's go to topical funder. I think there's, there's a few factors that I really want to discuss with you. Let's go straight in. I want to talk about the U.S. equity markets. I think you bring up a really good point. We are seeing a stronger U.S. dollar, um, and that uh, up until what we saw with the, the Chinese. Um, Rescue package for the effectively for the stock market, which has been reported. You know, I think that the stronger dollar had been part of the reason we've been seeing an underperforming Hang Seng, H shares, and, and, and China 50. Um, but yeah, we've seen the equity market make moves to all time highs pretty much every day. It's a grind. I mean, vols are pretty low. Um, you know, we've got the VIX trading, what, 12.5% at the moment. And I think the fact that we have got vol low volatility, both realized and implied is part of the reason why we're seeing such positive flow playing through in the equity market as well dynamic funds continue to, to come in. But we've got earnings season, which we can talk about in a second. Um, yeah, for me, like the, the path for least resistance continues to be higher. I don't see a reason to fade it, although I do want to put the, um, the, the quarterly refinancing or refunding announcement on the 29th and the 31st on, on the radar because I think that, that is something that, that, that could really derail situations in equities. But where are you seeing... The risk in equity at moment, well, well, I'm I'm, I'm glad you asked. Uh, first of all, you're right. We're in breakout territory, and this, you know, what this feels like, Chris. Um, not much can derail the rally. That's what it feels like. It feels like, uh, and there's been a lot of speculation of this over recent months, and I think this is that that moment where shorts are kind of they got that deer in the headlight look. And this is where we could get what, what a lot of people know as a blow off top. Now, I'm, I, 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 I use and I choose those words very carefully, Chris, because um, I've seen blow off tops and capitulation type of bottoms. And, and, I'm, and I'm being very real about this, maybe about six or seven times in my career. In 25 years of trading, I have not seen the 
capitulate bottoms uh, and, and blow off tops often. But the scary thing is, is if we do get in a situation where you start seeing a cascading move higher, it's great in a sense because it brings on a lot of trading opportunities. The bad thing, the bad thing in a sense is that it tends to mark the top of a market if it's a blow off top. And the the price action that we're seeing, just the, the fact that there's only a few companies really driving the market higher, few sectors that are driving the market higher, that's scary to me. And it, it scares me because I don't want to see a generational top in the market. I'm not, I'm, I'm 10, 15 years from retirement. I don't want to see that, <laughs> to be honest, but it is. Thank you. But it, it but it feels like we are heading in that direction. So if you ask me what can derail, derail the market, well, we'll talk about earnings here in a second, but it doesn't feel like a lot can at this moment. But get, take a step back for a second. And, and I know the time's almost up for this segment, but talk about the, Q, uh, the, uh, the quarterly uh, refinancing. And could you explain to traders why that's so important in your book? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, from where you sit, um, the deficit is a major issue in the US. I mean, it's probably not a major voting factor, but that, that deficit needs to be funded. And, you know, whether they, I think yeah, if you go back to, to August when they released their, their quarterly, the, the Treasury's refinancing announcement, they skewed a lot of that, 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 that deficit financing towards uh, coupons and, and long duration assets, effectively you know, long bonds. And we saw yeah, a very strong sell-off coming through in the bond market. And, and when we saw bond, bond yields moving up to, say, 5% on 10s, term premiums rising, because they were funding that deficit from a higher skew of, of US treasuries as opposed to bills, yeah, the equity market fell about 11% in that time. So it was a driver in August. And then in November, when the Treasury Department came out and said um, that they were skewing it more towards short, very short-term bills, um, yeah, to fund this deficit, it's from less propensity for, for longer term uh, you know, US treasuries. Um, suddenly we saw yeah, the 10 year drop from what, 5% down to 379. And the S&P started a 17% rally. Of course, that was then um, boosted by um, you know, Governor Waller, who you know, basically did a pivot during that time. And everyone sort of blamed it on that. But yeah, look, I mean, ultimately, we're coming on the 31st of January. So on the 29th of January, um, the Treasury Department uh, tell, tell them about the, the, the level of financing that comes through, their estimates for financing going forward. And then two days later, they'll talk about the skew of um, uh, uh, bills and coupon issuance. If they increase the amount of bonds that they use to finance this, and I'm sorry, I'm going past this and producer's going to be ratting. Um, but if they increase the share of, of, of US Treasuries, then what we're probably likely to see, the risk is, is that you slightly see term premiums rise 10-year treasuries um, yields moving higher. And I think that could be a big cue, as we saw in, in August and November, uh, for the equity market to go down. So, yeah, well, we'd be looking at that skew of bills, whether that changes or not. But, yeah, the deficit is a big issue in the US at the moment. And funding it, I think it's just about to begin very, very political. I have no doubt that Donald Trump, despite the fact that he was part of the reason why we've got such a big deficit originally, um, will be using the fact that they've been reckless spending and the deficit is... is and also the deficit is part of the reason why we've got such strong growth. So it's a very political potato. How they fund it, I think, can have huge implications uh, for markets as well. Just one more point while I've got this. If they increase or continue to share, have that, that share of bills as they've got, um, the RRP facility, the reverse repo facility, will be drained to pay for that. And that's the question. Yeah, really stressed. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we get to a point in, say, April, I know there's going to be tax receipts coming through. This is a really important point, though. We're going to be looking at the funding markets because that RRP comes down um, to, say, $200 billion. We get to stress levels. People will be looking at SOFA rates relative to interest earned on excess reserve. The funding markets, if we did see a blow off in funding markets because that's coming down, well, that, that would cause equity to go down as well. And it would also just accelerate the need to pull back on quantitative tightening. So in a nutshell, that's really why, why we're looking at the QRA. So I think it's, it's probably one of the biggest risks out there in, in markets. I hope that answers your question, Blake. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you did. And I know our producer is going to be upset because it's uh, you did take up a lot of time, actually a whole lot of time. Oh, my God. I almost fell asleep. Please. Just kidding. It's not- <laughs> it's important for traders. It's important for people at home to to hear this. So great information, Chris. Yeah, really, really great. All right, I, uh, I will, I will shift to earnings. So what could derail this uh, this this rally? What well, could be that we're you know knee deep into earnings season right now? You know, one of the things I want to point out is the semiconductor index is up seven percent since last week, leading the charge. Now. We had some earnings uh, overnight. Uh, we had uh, Texas Instruments. It was down like 3% uh, j- just actually uh hour ago, hour, hour and a half ago. Netflix was up a staggering 7% plus. Um, so a little offset there. But 3M was down 11% today. GE was down a percent, but it was down more than that <coughs> today. It just kind of rallied back. But we have some really big US-based companies coming out. And, and you know, I, I know we, we mentioned this last week, but I need to mention some earnings that are coming out this week. So this week, we have tomorrow, we have IBM, we have Tesla, Thursday, we have Intel, we have Visa, American Airlines, uh, Southwest Airlines, Alaska Airlines, Friday, American Express. So you can see we start to get in the meat of like some of these American businesses. But last week, we made a point here on the trade-off to talk about this earnings season that we're going into. And this is a big one. And I know for the last you know year and a half, we talked about how maybe this earnings season is that maybe this earnings season, but with valuation so lofty, you have to imagine that all eyes are going to be on earnings right now, right here as we're at all time highs. What are your thoughts as we go into this earnings season? Well, I wish I was long. Netflix is probably where I'd start. Um, yeah, the stocks. I think five thirty four in the after hours, so that stock's absolutely smashing it. Um, yeah, like Tesla come out uh, later in the week or tomorrow and um, the market's implying about a five and a half percent move the stocks had about a, a, well had about a 20 percent drawdown in 14 15 days so yeah people are going to be wanting to see that that sh- something from the guidance there that turns that ship around but yeah next week's the big one I think we've got 35 percent of the S&P market cap coming out so yeah obviously not everything's going to beat and not everything's going to miss um, so you you know otherwise you get like a I mean, obviously, that'd be nice because then you get a strong trend in the market because of the market weighting and things are going to get a bit messy. But, yeah, a large portion of that market cap weighting is is, is definitely going to be there. Um, I'm looking for the outlooks. I think the outlooks matter so much more in this market. So, yeah, what, what are we looking at? You know, outlook for the dollar. Uh, what are they seeing on rates, inflation, all these sort of macro forces um, I'm there. But, yeah, um, it's one of those difficult ones, Blake, isn't it? You know, that because so many companies are reporting in such heavy weights. It's difficult to say this is going to be the trigger until after the fact. So yeah, how do you see this usually? Well, the one thing I do want to mention is um, a lot of earnings estimates have been downgraded quite dramatically. And so if if you really see a lot of these companies miss, uh, generally speaking, over the course of the last co- next couple of weeks, it could weigh 
on this market moving forward. But I have to say technically and go back to our first point, Chris, this market looks pretty bullish. I mean, it, it looks like we're in breakout territory and it doesn't want to stop. So, I mean, you have to respect it, right? I mean, Oh, yeah. I mean, it hurts to be long. I mean, I think you made some points a few months ago. Where it's like it's too high to, to put new money to work, but it's it's too strong not to. So, McCain, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be wanting to be short this market at the moment. Um, wait till the buyers step away. You know, when involves really pick up, the VIX trades into sort of the high teams, you know, the buyers step up and the market's in free fall. That's the time to be shorting markets. When the buyers don't want to, and there's a lot of confusion. We're not at that point at the moment. Every Every dip is supported. It's you know, you can throw, the, throw a stronger dollar at it. You can see you know, rate, rate interest rate pricing coming out of the market. It just keeps going up. I wouldn't want to step in front of this right now. But as I say, the QRA, um, the quantity refunding uh, announcement, I think could be, or has been, but it could be another uh, a landmine for markets. Talking about landmines for markets, let's go into let's go into China and, and the Hong Kong equity markets because, yeah, I think we saw um, the Hang Seng down 13 out of 14 days or 15 days. And it was just, it was testing the October, November lows. Remember last week, we talked about it in the play of the day, where we got into those November lows on the H shares and the Hang Seng. We thought, well, perhaps there's going to be a, a much greater chance for a fiscal stimulus to come through or some sort of you know, liquidity put from the PBOC. Well, we kind of got that. We saw the Premier coming out and talking about um, yeah, being more forceful to, to, to prop up the stock market. We know that the Chinese authorities look at the stock market as a reflection of economics. And when they see international money managers taking money out, Putting into Japan and the US, you know, they, they take notice of that. And that's what we saw a 3.2 trillion uh, stimulus package to save the, you know, to rescue the stock market, which is about three times the 30 day average in terms of turnover, about 8% of the free flow to the market. It's punchy, it's massive. Um, we'll have to see whether it actually comes to fully to fruition. Um, but the market's liked it, Blake. Is this the panacea that sees an ongoing trend, though, or is this? just providing us a better exit to, to short into. Well, uh, first of all, I, the numbers that I read were a little different than yours, but you're you're way closer to the situation than I am. And I, I saw like 278 billion US, uh, 2 well, trillion yuan. I said 3.2 trillion yuan, so well, that, that's uh, the Okay, all right. Well, it's still a staggering yeah. amount of money, but exactly. the price action, I mean, you look at the price price action of the markets, uh, I, when that, when the kind of, uh, the, the, the lead into the article was leaked, we saw the reaction in the markets. And I happened to be in front of my computer at that time, waiting for the BOJ last night or for you, you know, yesterday, um, I was unimpressed and, and, and many people in my community said, Blake, is that all we're going to get? And I'm, is, was the market expecting more? And I'm like, I don't know if the market was expecting more, but price tells you that the market wasn't impressed with, with, with it all, in my opinion. Um, yeah, the, the Aussie finally found some support and I, and I think it's, it's going to help, you know, but at the same time, I, I think what's really going to help the market, it's kind of like the, um, the extremes, like you, you, you look at the stock market, it's hard to see a bear, uh, in the stock market, in the U S stock market, but China's got the exact opposite where it's the most unloved market out there. Um, it, it really is. It's like, I, 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 it's so unloved and so singled out right now that it's so extreme. I think you've got to play into that in your trading. Like for me, I was telling everybody yesterday, last night, or, you know, for you yesterday, 
I was telling everybody I'm not really too comfortable being short Aussies anymore. Uh, I've been I was yeah. I've been short Aussies for the last several weeks. Not too comfortable with it based on all yeah. these steps. Yeah. So anyway, I think, the other, I think the other I think the other thing is is that um, if you overlap the chart and invert the Nikkei and also the S and P to an extent, you you are seeing an inverse correlation. So I think. And we saw the Chinese authorities coming out yesterday warning about the dangers investing in, in Japanese and, and US ETFs. I think I think basically the connection I'm reading is that they're seeing signs that international investors and also domestic investors, mainland Chinese investors, are moving money out of those markets into Japan, into the US, and they want that capital back. So I think that's what they're trying to do. It's pretty clear that when the Hang Seng, the Chinese and mainland markets are going down, yeah, the, the Japanese market's going up. So what, what we're seeing is those flows coming out. We're seeing that in the Connect, the Northbound Connect. Um, they want those flows back. They're trying to incentivize them through basically the, this the support mechanism. So yeah, if we watch the Nikkei, if we start seeing outflows there, I think that, that could be an interesting one to look at. All right. Well, you know, it, it, thanks for bringing it to our attention. And I think uh, the Chinese markets are definitely one to have on the radar uh, as we go into you know this week's trade. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the U.S. elections and how much they matter, uh, and 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 get your thoughts, from, your point of view from across the pond. That's a big pond across the lake, across the ocean. Anyway, uh, on the other side of the world, you know your 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 thoughts. But um, we do have a. This is a pretty, I want to say, historic election. It seems like it's a historic election every election. These elections, but um, we're going into the New Hampshire primary uh, tonight, as you pointed out. And uh, it, it's it, there's only one you know candidate or one you know potential candidate and standing in front of Donald Trump and that's Nikki Haley. Uh, my my two cents are she's going to be dropping out of the race and she is soon going to be supporting uh, President Trump and his uh, his quest to uh, take back the uh, take back the the White House with the Republican Party. It's just a matter of time, if you ask me. But what are the ramifications of this. And 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 I want to give you what immediate ramification would be the Mexican peso. A lot of people start talking, you know, if if Donald Trump is the is the is going to be the Republican candidate, there's a really good chance he's going to take the White House. Mexico is going to be in the spotlight. Um, you know, border wall, border walls going back, you know, under under uh under um construction. Uh, Mexican peso is going to get sold. And you can see the dollar Mex is actually starting to already probe the 200 DMA. It's getting it's getting a little scary if you're long Mexican pesos right now going into the this election season. Um, my two cents is you, you need to put Twitter back on your phone. If you took X or Twitter off your phone because you just don't like Elon Musk and you don't like the whole Twitter sphere, better put it back on your phone because things are going to get a little bit more volatile and tweets are likely going to set off the market uh, you know, uh, starting in 2025. So get familiar with Twitter. But I think a lot of volatility should be coming to the markets. But how are you viewing the risk factors to the U.S. elections? Oh, look, I think, um, no, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think Nikki Haley's 15 percentage points behind. I know the governor of, of New Hampshire is rooting for her and pushing her. And she's campaigned. She's had some momentum. But she, yeah, she's going to have to win it or she's going to have to come very, very close, which seems unlikely in the polls. For her to continue. The question for me is whether she drops out, um, unless she wins it, uh, the question is whether she drops out um, after this or she stays on for South Carolina, which of course is her home state. So she may yeah, she may hold on to that, but one suspects she'll probably drop out. Um, look, I think, yeah, you basically, 
everything else becomes irrelevant. Super Tuesdays becomes irrelevant. Obviously, you wait then for the conventions in yeah, July, August, Democrat, Republican uh, conventions. But then we're going to get the finite points of, of their policies. I think the policy that, that, that really I'm looking at um, is about uh, the 10% import tax that Donald Trump's uh, saying about sweeping. And that's a huge, that, that for me is a US dollar positive. So, you know, there's a few factors that suggest that Donald Trump at the margin is going to be very dollar positive. Um, the question for traders, of course, is when do we start putting on these trades? And, and I don't think it's really until we start getting you know, past the, um, the, 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 the um, the, the, the conventions and probably going into the head-to-heads between uh, Trump and, and Biden. I think that's really it. Of course, the other factor is who's going to be Donald Trump's running mate. It's probably the more pertinent question right now, right? So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah I think, and that's... Go ahead. Go on, sir. No, I was just going to say, like, I think we want to see, we want to find the finite policies. I mean, I think at a top-down level, you know, you're talking about Mexican peso, we're talking about the import tariff, protectionism under Trump. We know what we're getting with Biden. Um, and of course, yeah, the deficit's a big one that they want to address as well, because I think that is important. Um, but when do we, the question is, it's just such a long time between now uh, and the election. Um, so I think probably the question is, is we've got rates and everything that goes through. I, I think we'd probably start putting the trades on and trading the election, um, you yeah, know, probably post-August time. That fair that, that sounds about right to me, Chris. And and I'll tell you, it 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 will be a very volatile four years moving forward. I I would assume so. It's going to get ugly. Trade mate, I'll it's going it's going it's, it's to be a head to head Trump and Biden. Oh, it's going to be some brutal words being flying around. I can tell you that it's going to be to be fascinating viewing. Remember, you don't have to be an American to watch American politics, bro. Ah, grab your popcorn. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> Let's go to that's a setup. I'm going to go two charts uh, for gold, just because it's just past Christmas. I thought I'd give everyone a treat. Um, first one, uh, I just want to talk about gold. We had a viewer question last week about gold and why we missed out. I mean, it's a, an important one because obviously uh, with Pepsone, gold is arguably our most traded traded market by volume. Um, and I've just got here a, a four-hour chart of the uh, XAU USD. Um, I, I'll, I'll just go through both charts, Blake, and I'll give you a, chart, a chance to comment because I'm sure you've got very strong views. But for me... Um, it's pretty messy price action at the moment. You know, you've seen that those fib levels being respected. One month employed bowling gold is is at ten percent. It's one of the lowest levels we've seen. But yeah, there's there's no real directional flow in gold at the moment um, for that. I just want to have a look at quickly. Uh, if we can go to another chart, I just want to show you uh, another situation we've got. Now, what I've got here is is the gold price, uh, which is conveniently in gold. The line, and then I've actually uh, got, and I've actually inverted that. I've flipped it upside down, so you can see the relationship with ten-year real rates. Uh, you can see there the equation to get that on TradingView. Um, so this is a ten-year bond government bond yields adjusted for expected inflation over the time. It's what we call real rates. Now you can see that there is a, a pretty strong relationship between the two. That, that, that is probably of all the, the markets, that's the strongest relationship that the gold price has at the moment. So you can see that that, that, that is a bit of a slave to where real rates are going at the moment. Um, so that that's kind of the big driver for me. And if they continue to go up, then I suspect we'll probably break to the downside in gold, and the dollar will go. What are you seeing there, Blake? I just thought to just run past. It's clear, you know, the messy sort of price action, and also it's clear driver at the moment. Well, the driver is. I think it's it just takes backseat to the dollar right now. I mean, but the one thing I have to I have to say, gold is holding up relative to silver. The gold silver ratio is just 
bonkers right now and it looks good. Um, I, but I, I'll give you just a couple levels I'm looking at for top side, you know, 2040, 20 spot, 2040, 2070. So 2070, the previous all time highs, you know, roughly around there. 2040 would be the channel resistance, which would be your previous chart. You just connect the highs and you connect the lows. You got, you got a nice little channel. Support is 2000. And I think while you're be, be, between 2000 and 240, that's your like no man's land. You get above 240, you see around 270. Uh, you, you know, if you get below 2000, it opens up in the 1950s. And that's how I'm looking at gold. And I, like I said, I think it's taking a back seat to the dollar at the moment. But I do want to make something very clear. I'm not a gold bearer. I, I, do, I do think the price action is not great. Um, but I think if you can find a good dip to buy, get long on dip. Are you, um, are you, just, are you just thinking, don't be cute, just, yeah, just, just scalp? scalp a range at the moment is that probably the way yeah yeah I, if you're if you're trading it yes like for me I'm, what i'm actually looking for chris is i'm looking to buy more physical gold and i'm really looking in the low 1900s to high 1800s to start putting some work money to work me personally and that's kind of how i'm dealing with it because every gold trade or every my gold chart is just a derivative of what i do in the currency markets right now so if that makes any sense I hope that, yeah. So anyway, th those are some great charts and I love how you matched it up to real yield. So thank you for bringing that setup. Um, the, my first setup is going to be the Dow 30. Now, when you talk about stocks that are underperforming right now, it would be, to me, it would be the Dow. And uh, so the Dow, this chart that you see right here, one of the, and let me, I'm going to pull up the chart in front of my, um, in front of my face. And I didn't, I thought I had it here, but I did not. I pulled it right back off. Um, what you're going to notice is we've been rallying on a divergent on divergent relative strength. But you see how we surpassed the 161% extension? To me, that 161% extension comes in around 37 based on the 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 um Pepperstone CFD that you see there is 37882. So I'm going to just say around 37,000 if you get back below there, I would be very careful about being on the long side of the Dow, but also thinks that look, I think it looks like a good setup for a possible, you know, move back down to the 50 DMA. Now, if I trade counter trend, I just want to make sure I make this clear. I trade counter trend quite a bit. I'm a trader. So I go with the trend. I go counter trend. When I go counter trend, I go smaller position size. So if you're going to go counter trend in a, in a trade like this, a setup like this, make sure you're putting on half your normal size. That's the, that's a good rule of thumb, but I'm seeing it as a divergent rally, and if it's going to roll over below 37.8, I'm looking for a little bit of a pullback to the 50 DMA. How are you seeing the Dow right now? Well, I, I, I do like, you know, divergence is, is, is very powerful when it plays out, so I'll be, I'll be watching that one very, very closely. Um, you know, do we play this by long long NASDAQ, long S&P, short Dow as a way of, of, of playing that downdraft? Um that, that could be a that could be an option to look at, um, but right now it's I, I wouldn't be acting on this now. You just need the bears to come to the party and show that, that that divergence works well. A quick one to you on the divergence run. I mean, I look at divergence. I used to trade trade divergence with possible reversals as well. But when you're seeing that peak, that first peak, so high, um, is there a level when when you're getting that that that, that top buy that it hasn't taken out? It becomes irrelevant if it's you know if it. If, if that point is like yeah, 90 or something like that, it's obviously not going to get it passed again. So you're obviously going to get divergence. So is it just the extent of the divergence? How, how, do, you, how do you assess that? 
Uh, you know, for me, it, like it's not really the extent of the divergence. It's what I'd love to see is I'd love to see a little bit of continued rally and for that RSI to get into actually overbought above 70. And once it gets above 70, then I'm looking for a reversal from like actually fading price. But for here, it's just showing you the setup. And now I have to look for a dip back below the breakout point. And then I my my um, risk is always very well defined because it is the previous high that we just set yesterday. So that's, that's how I trade it. Cool. Let's go to dollar yen because I want to bring that one up right now because dollar yen's been well, it's, it's been very well traded recently by, by by clients. I mean, what you've got here, and I've just overlapped the two-year treasury. I could look at yield spreads, ten-year yields against JGB ten years. And what I'm trying to show is that whatever model you're using on yield spreads or any kind of proprietary model, that, that dollar yen has extrapolated and diverged quite substantially from what we call, you know, some people call fair value. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to mean revert or, or drop, but it, a lot of these models, which have had very strong statistical relationships for a long time, showing that dollar yen now is, is you know, two, three hundred uh, pips you know, overvalued. So that that could be a risk. Um, I'm I want to see it into sort of one forty nine, uh, and I think those are the levels to look at. And we obviously saw the Bank of Japan um, yesterday coming out. Oida was a little bit more hawkish. It seems like they're going to move away from NERP on around April time. That seems to be their sort of the default position now. Um, what are we seeing here, Blake? Are we are we consolidating before another leg up? Do we roll over, mean revert down to sort of that fair value that I'm talking about with yield spreads and, and interest rate settings? So how, how, how are you seeing? Where's the risk or the probability of the risk here for you? Well, I think right now we're just consolidating gains. And and the BOJ, as you pointed out, they didn't give us anything to really chew on. Despite Ueda being a little bit more maybe hawkish or upbeat in his in his press conference, it really didn't give anything to chew on. The one thing I was most upset about is if you take yesterday's lows in the dollar yen, it came in at 147. That is what is channel support. So if you connect all those lows, that's just an ascending channel that's pretty parabolic right now. So while you're above uh, 147, the risk is still higher. If you get back below 147, your first stop's the 50 DMA, which comes in right around 146. Below that is the 200 DMA. And if you get the, you know, your uh, models that you point out there being a little bit overvalued, the 200 DMA is currently at 144, roughly. So that takes you really close to the 200 DMA just to get it being not overvalued. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't play it on the short side until 147 or yesterday's post BOJ press conference European low was taken out. That was out. If that takes out, then I think the door's open for some for I some do, uh, reversal. I do think as well if the QRA, I keep banging on about it, but and it might be a complete nothing burger. But the last two times we've seen it, that has been uh, the catalyst for some massive moves coming through in markets, and it may well be again. Um, uh, and, and I think if we were to see a surprise and 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 you know a drawdown in equity markets higher vol then you know surprisingly the, the US dollar will probably rally in that environment maybe the yen will find some safe haven as is the Swiss but I think the dollar will actually work very very well uh, if we were to see a sort of a risk off thematic playing through so once again I think this QRA the, the refinancing announcement could be a big deal for the FX markets it might not be but it, it has been uh, the last two times we saw it. Well, I know uh, that date is actually marked down on my calendar. So for those of you that have not, uh, you'd be writing down the 29th, which would be next Monday. And then two days later on the 31st. Is that correct? Which happens That's to be fair. Fed Day. Exactly. Fed day. Yeah, well, well, Fed Day and QRA. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's all to play for.
So it's a play for that is something. All right. Well, um, my last setup is going to be the Aussie Kiwi. And the thing is, I'm looking for a break higher. Now, New Zealand just came off of CPI data, like literally an hour before I, uh, after I, 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 I submitted this chart. So the, the Aussie Kiwi actually dropped back down to the 107.85 level. I think these are great places to be on the long side. I've been playing the Aussie Kiwi long off the 107 uh, triangle support. I am looking for a move up to the 109.15 level. But as you can see, horizontal resistance is a nice, cool golden fib level at the 108.36. That is critical resistance. 108.30, that breaks. And that is your setup for a nice rally through resistance. Now I'm going to be scoping out a little bit lower levels, hopefully tonight, you know, or today, probably when you're viewing this, uh, this at home or in your office, I'll be looking for longs in the Aussie Kiwi, uh, lower. What do you think about this, uh, this, this setup, Chris? I, I, I think tactically, I've, I've liked the Aussie Kiwi for for a while. Um, I think, yeah, you've just seen a little bit of a dip in it and then in line, uh, New Zealand, inflation numbers you talk about there but next week we've got the Aussie inflation numbers um, and I think they will be meaningful um, well I obviously have no premise as to where they're going to be but I think what you could start seeing it feels to me Blake that we may see policy divergence the the RBA have made it pretty clear that they're not in any position to, to, to be easing rates at this time um, I think we're probably looking at you know August maybe September for the for the date if they were to start maybe September on, on current rhetoric um, I think the New Zealand uh, central bank, if we're going to see anyone, actually could be cutting rates far sooner. Some of their data has been pretty pretty poor recently, um, and the trend that you're seeing in headline inflation is clearly to the downside. Um, the market's pared back some of its uh, its, its date. I think we're looking at sort of Mar uh, May now, and we've got about 91 basis points. So I think if you're looking at the relative central bank divergence, which is what drives this pair, um, I feel that that we could, if we're going to see it um, anywhere, it's going to be that the RBNZ, um, the market's underpricing rate cuts there, and they could be moving their start date sooner rather than, than later for the RBA. So, yeah, I think from a tactical perspective, it's a slow-moving shift. It's a bit like sterling, uh, euro sterling, to be honest, it's boring. Um, but, you know, I think tactically it goes higher. Fundamentally, I think it goes higher. Um, so I think it turns to the top of the top of that downtrend that, that you've got there, Blake, to be honest. I think that's where, Ooh, where, like where it. it goes. Yeah, we'll see. But I think, yeah, Aussie, Aussie, Kiwi, both got very similar sort of relative backdrops, both are sort of the China proxy in their own right. So I think you've got to look at relative growth rates and, and where central banks are going to be going. I think, personally speaking, um, uh, I think the RBA will be hiking, uh, cutting far later, and but to a lower extent. And you're going to see that play out in the currency pair pretty soon as well. So that's the way I, I see it from a, from a fundamental perspective. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Right. Okay. Talking about tactical, I'm going to go for uh, a bit of long Bitcoin short Ethereum. If we can bring that chart up, please, Mr. Producer. There we go. All right. So what we've seen is, is I think post the um, the ETF, the, the cash, the spot ETF, um, everyone was suggesting that there was going to be flows into into Ethereum. Uh, we did see that for a while. We saw yeah, Ethereum um, really outperforming. As you can see, that the Bitcoin-Ethereum ratio collapsed, uh, showing that yeah, obviously well, people were expecting better times ahead. Um, 
and yeah, I think Blake and I talked last week about the fact that we think that, that Bitcoin could be a uh, yeah could could see some downside as that that sell the risk play, sell the fact plays through. That's that's playing out quite well. Uh, the inflows into the ETFs have been pretty underwhelming. To be fair, I think that's part of the reason we're seeing that. But uh, I, I do like Bitcoin down into sort of thirty four thousand. I think it was where the levels we're looking at, and you know I think that that could be the play as we go for you know, a nice run up again into Ethereum ETF and also for the halving in April. Um, but for right now, we are seeing Bitcoin outperforming Ethereum, and I want to continue to play that. I think we've got further upside in this in in, in this in effectively this this cross, and I want to see. Therefore, I'm going to take a long position in Bitcoin. I'm going to take a short position in, in Ethereum, match up the, the nominal exposures, uh, and and just look, look at the, the relative values, uh, uh, you know, in terms of that. So I think there's further upside. I don't think it's a long-term situation. I think long-term, most people, you know, expect Ethereum to outperform Bitcoin. But as a short-term trade, I quite like this one now. You know what, Chris? You know what's sexy? That chart is sexy. I like sexy. it. Sexy, sexy, <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move over to uh, my my uh, my play of the day. It's going to be the dollar. I don't care how you play the dollar, just be long. We have you were, you, you were long you were long dollar Swiss last week, and I think that trade's uh, worth yes, it. Yes, it's yes, still looks, Swiss. It, it still looks beautiful, doesn't it? Chasing that damn thing higher, it's so frustrating. It's like it doesn't pull back. But anyway, uh, look, there are pullbacks in the market. There are going to be some opportunities. The, the, we have an inverted head and shoulder pattern that basically points us to the to the 105 level. Just just shy of the 105, around that 618 retracement, which is 104.79 based on the dollar index. This is the dollar index end of day uh, actual index. So just keep in mind we're in the midst of grinding higher. I don't. I'm not looking at the dollar as being some explosive move higher. I just think that you got to continue to be constructive and play the dollar uh, on the upside. I think it's working great even in this environment when stocks aren't, you know, when stocks aren't participating meaning they continue to go higher, the dollar should be sold. It's not getting sold. So, you know, we get a nice nice uh, hold above the 200 DMA which we haven't had yet, but we get above the 200 DMA, that should open up the 50% uh, retracement at 104, then eventually the 618 uh, which will complete the 618 retracement. So, if you guys are looking to sell dollars, Maybe that's the level that you look is back at 105. But that's how I'm playing it. And I'm usually playing it through the euro, to be honest. That's that's pretty much my euro, Swissy. That's how I'm playing the uh, dollar index right now. Well, we're obviously saying this before the ECB meeting as well, which is supposed to be a non-event. But I think, yeah, everyone's expecting Lagarde, et cetera, and co to, to push back once again and corral the troops into into this idea that we're going to see an easing around the sort of European summertime. That seems to be the sort of default position from... The, the executive board at the moment. Anyway, Blake, I appreciate all your thoughts and some cracking, uh, some cracking views and charts in there as well. And everyone at home, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week for more of the trade-off.